It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It is the Greek for the Week podcast. We have a good Greek for the Week prepared for you today. And before we do that, I just want to mention that we are on version. If you didn't know it already, I've been saying it. We are on the version app. So go to version, the Bible app. Type in Chris Palmer Greek for the Week and you'll find our plan there. And we're coming out with another one in September. How about that? I'll have another one brand new for you this coming fall, probably before fall actually, early, early end of summer, all right? How about we say like that? At the end of the summer, I will have a new one for you. And also, there's a book coming out, the first Greek for the Week book. It's called Letters from Jesus, Study from the Seven Churches of Revelation. A lot of people don't even realize there's seven churches in Revelation, and they're in the front of the book, chapters two and three. Church of Ephesus, Church of Smyrna, Church of Pergamum, Church of Thyatira. Then you have Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I have done Greek for the Weeks exegetically through all of those and put them in a contemporary form that will help you understand the thrust of the book, the audience of Revelation, and how how you should be able to understand the occasion and the circumstance so as to process if you should decide to go forward into the fourth chapter, the 22nd chapter, the rest of the apocalypse. It's very needful reading. I can promise you one thing. It's not It's not going to be something that is shallow. And if you like shallow, that's good. There's a place for that. Not against it. But we're going deep, okay? We are in true Greek for the week fashion. We're going deep. And I'm going to take you deep. And you know what? I'm not going to leave you deep. I'm going to throw you a some water wings. I'm going to throw you a life vest so that you don't drown in it. And you will understand it. You don't have to understand Greek to read it. You don't have to read Greek to read it. But it's in there. And if you do read Greek, well, guess what? You'll be pleased to because I think there's a nice, a nice methodological approach I've used to this book where... Maybe and hopefully the Greek scholars will be happy, as will the lay be happy. There's been devotions I've read from Greek, and I either feel like it's not enough Greek or it's too much Greek, and where's the healthy middle? Us Greek scholars are still trying to find that out, and you know what? I think I think this is a good middle. I hope it is, <clears throat> but I'm going to let you decide that. But you have to get the book. So <laughs> I'm going to put the notes or the link in my show notes. So if, if you want the link, check the show notes from here on out, and then you'll have it, okay? Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, let's go there this morning, or this evening, or this afternoon, or whatever. Maybe it's the middle of the night. Maybe you're working the night shift, and you're listening to this. So what it says here, well, let's go back to verse number 1. Let's go back to verse number 1. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse number two, where we're going to be concentrating. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are earth. Actually, excuse me, number three. For you have died and your life is hidden, hidden, kekryptai, with Christ in God. In true form, I'll read verse number three. I said two, we're going to be concentrating. I meant three. It says, Apithen ete garkai e zoeumon. All right, so what are we talking about here? Well, it's first, it's very, it's important to know a little something about the Colossians. The Colossian church was in Asia Minor, it's in present-day Turkey, and they were facing 
a crisis. Like most of the churches in the first century, they too had a crisis going on. And there was what seemed to be, some would call it pre-Gnosticism. Although maybe others would argue and say, no, it wasn't pre-Gnosticism that was at that time. It was more of a it was more of a mystical Judaism that was taking place. And I see elements for both. We'll just call it synchristic Judaism that was somewhat calling for observe, uh, observing the law as a requirement for salvation. And it, we won't touch that this morning. <laughs> we can start getting into that. Uh, we're opening up Pandora's box. I believe salvation and Christians, Orthodox Christianity believes in uh, salvation comes by faith and faith alone, not by keeping the law, okay? That is Christianity. But at the same time, there was at this time, Judaism, Judaizers that came along and said, hey, you have to keep the law. You have to keep the law to do this. And the Apostle Paul is trying to connect and talk to his Colossian church about getting out of the mysticism, focusing their attention on Christ, and understanding and keeping their focus on what Christ had done for them, which is very important that we keep our minds on Christ. And so, in order to counter this, the Apostle Paul in chapter 3 tells them, if you've been raised with Christ, to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, or concentrate their mind on the realities that have taken place in Christ. And that's extremely important for us as believers, that we focus on, okay, what Christ has done for us, and those things that are above and take a interest, and more than just the interest, a in-depth look at, consistently renewing our mind with the facts of who we are in Christ <clears throat> and what he's done for us and how we belong in him. Christian identity is a very important thing, and unfortunately there are too many, too many believers that don't get a hold of this right away. I, you know, I didn't get a hold of it right away as a Christian. I, it wasn't until six years later after being saved that I really started to understand the importance of understanding who I am in Christ. And I don't just mean putting up a list of scriptures on the refrigerator and, and just settling for that. That's a good way to start. It's a good way to keep your mind, practically speaking, on Christ. But it has to be more than that. It has to be something that 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 it's an epiphany in your spirit or it's a manifestation of of revelation in your spirit, a phaneros that goes off in your heart. It has to sink down deep that you really have been created a new person in Christ. Whatever you did in the past, like 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, old things pass away, all things become new, your workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, you can confess them, but they have to sink down into your heart. And that's what, what Paul is getting at here. So when you understand those things, and then the heretics come or the false teachers come and try to try to sway you. Otherwise, you have it in your heart and you won't be swayed. You're not going to be swayed if something's been settled in your heart. It's very important. Then he says, set your mind on those things that are above. Get your mind on those things. Put your mind on in Christ truths. Listen, I would tell you that I, I, theology is very important, but if you don't nail down who you are in Christ, okay, there's a lot of unbelieving people that are theologically sound. They, they know if you're Reformed, they know Reformed theology. If you're Pentecostal, they know Pentecostal theology. If you're Baptist, they know Baptist theology, okay? And they get with it, but they're, they're unbelieving people. They don't walk in faith. They don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. They doubt. They're carnal. You get down who you are in Christ Jesus, it is going to take your carnality and send it out the window because you're identifying with that. You will be, listen, you are and will continue to be whatever it is that you identify with. I pray it's you identify with who you are in Christ because you identify with you're in Christ. You say, no, no, I, I can't say that. I can't do that because I'm Christ. 
I belong to him. That's not, that's not becoming of me. It's kind of like I don't get down and bark like a dog because I know I'm not a dog. I'm a human being, right? You say, no, no, no. I'm, I don't steal. I don't lie. I don't cuss. I don't do these things. Not because I really want to do them and just going to deny myself. I mean, that's good too, but it's because I can't. I'm, that's not my identity. And so the Colossians weren't going to be moved by the Judaizers and the Gnostic Judaizers at that time, pre-Gnostic. Gnosticism didn't come along until the first century, or at least late first century. But I would say probably not till the second, uh, second century. But anyway, the point being is that they, uh, knowing who they are in Christ is very important. And so he gives them in verse number three, it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden, or kekryptai, which is found in the present tense, <clears throat> with God in Christ Jesus. And this word here, kekryptai, it means to keep something a secret. Um, <clears throat> it means to um, protect something. And I like this one here, to hold a shield over someone or something for the purpose of prote protecting it. Uh, actually, it describes in Matthew 25 um, the master hiding his money. Or hiding money, I should say. I don't know if it's the master. I have to look at the verse. But hiding money. So it's understanding hiding something, burying something, or as this definition has been given to us, holding a shield over something to the purpose of protecting it. So here you have here you have God behind us, holding a shield over us and protecting us from everything that is corruptible that is in the world. Now it's in the future tense. Excuse me, I said the present tense. No, perfect tense. It's in the perfect. <clears throat> it's in the perfect tense. Okay. Which means that God has already done this in the past protected us in the past, and it has results going on in the future. Now, the perfect tense, according to Greek scholars, is the most theologically rich tense. When you find the perfect tense, it has the most, the tense itself has the most theological aspect to it. It's very rich and usually gives and lends more to us than any other tense. Present does as well. It depends what type of present, which category, which aspect of the verb, what kind of aspect the verb has to it, because verbs in Greek have something called verbal aspect. Constantine Campbell, or the good book on that, if you're interested in it. If you're not, have been studied, you haven't studied Greek yet, I wouldn't get it because you don't know what he's talking about. And if you think you know what he's talking about, you'll just be really lost. But it's a great book if you have studied Greek. Verbal aspect, very good work by Constantine Campbell. Um, but it explains how verbs have nuance to them that we, we really should pay attention to. And this is the perfect tense, which means that God did it in the past and it carries on into the present, which means he shielded us in the past at salvation. Okay, and that shielding is going to continue to take place until the day that we go home and to be together with him. Now, what does that mean, the fact that he's shielded? I mean, what's the idea? Where did he hide us from? Well, the fact is, according to the context here, is that we have a heavenly identity. I mean, if you look back to chapter 3 and verse number 1, you'll see heavenly identity is being talked about right here. All right, and that identity is something that's been hidden from the world, which means that the world really doesn't know who you are. They don't, you don't walk into Walgreens and someone say, oh, child of God, welcome into Walgreens, come right here. The other is in aisle two, the iced tea is aisle four. <laughs> now you know what I go to Walgreens for. And <laughs> they don't know who you are in Christ. They don't know that. And they're never going to know who you are. The identity that you have in Christ is something that is between you and Christ and the rest of the body of Christ, which means that that's why you should go to church because you're finally around people that know who you are in Christ. It's good to be around people that recognize you as a child of God. That's why we fellowship with each other because you have the manifestation, the phaneros, or the, the spirit 
has revealed these things to you. You need to get around other believers that understand that. That's why YouTube doesn't cut it. That's why the Greek for the Week podcast doesn't doesn't settle for church in your life. Not to say come to my church, but if you're not in Michigan, it's going to be hard to do. Find another spirit-filled church that's full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, and preaches in Christ, in Him, realities. People can recognize you're a child of God. It's good to have that faith and that common faith between one another. I'd call it synergy, but we're not New Age people. Let's just call it what the Bible calls it, koinonia, fellowship with one another. You can get into faith with those people. You can put your ideas together with those people, start businesses with those people, because you recognize who you guys really are. Now, I remember one time I was in, I was at a conference. My dad, he used to be an executive with a company, and there was a, a conference going on in Las Vegas. I know how terrible you saw he was in Las Vegas. Listen, you know. There's a conference going on, all right? People live there. Good Christians. There's churches in Las Vegas. And I was there, and the company that the company that he was there with, okay, was one of his clients, was Domino's Pizza. And <clears throat> this was about 10, 12 years ago, and the founder of Domino's, I don't mean the, C, the current CEO, I mean the founder of Domino's was walking through the lobby of the hotel and he looked like a normal guy just a normal khaki pants he didn't look like he was dressed expensive and my dad grabbed me he said you see that gentleman over there now he didn't point he just said you see him over there in the khaki pants x y and z wearing this shirt i said yeah 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 he said does he look like anyone special to you i said no he goes that's the founder of domino's you know the pieces that you always go get and eat from and have been eating from and ate when you're in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his idea. You're looking at, you're looking at probably the richest man in this hotel. You're looking at your first probably billionaire. I couldn't believe it. I said, wow, that guy is a billionaire. I mean, in my mind, begin to think like, this guy looks like everybody else, but his bank account sure doesn't look the same. It looks quite different, I would think, right? I could tell you something for sure. This bank account looks a whole lot different from mine. <laughs> but on the outside, you couldn't tell because it was hidden. Let me tell you something. You may look like everyone else in the world. Your jeans may be torn. Your shoes may be whatever, as normal as everyone else's. House may look the same. Car may look the same. Job may be the same. But inside, the riches of Christ have been deposited into you, and you are different. God has protected you. And you know something? The world can't see that. It's been hidden. It has been hidden. And you know something? The world's not going to point it out to you. You have to be around Christians and other believers that will help you understand that. So though you look like everybody else, you are not. It doesn't make you better, but it does give you something to focus on today. And that is who you are in Christ Jesus. Keep your mind renewed with what Christ has made you and has hidden you with. All right? That's your lesson for today. Make sure that you give this podcast a five-star. Share it with a friend. Tell someone. Get on Greek for the week. We're learning about tenses. We're learning about verbal aspect. We're learning about context and historical, critical methods of interpretation. Boy, my alma mater would be happy using the historical, critical method of interpretation. Now, um, remember, version. It's going to say YouTube, but version. We haven't done a YouTube video in a couple weeks. We'll make sure we get one back up there. Just been real busy with things. And also, books coming out, show notes, check it out. Let's support the book. If you're a constant listener of Greek for the Week, we have a good amount of listeners. Do 
yourself a nice little favor. Buy yourself a nice little gift and get the book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at whitakerhouse.com. You'll see the notes in the show notes, okay? Really support the show because guess what? Coming in September, you're going to be getting Greek for the Weeks from the book. We're going to go through it together, so make sure you get it, okay? Have a fabulous week. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.